Cut the Crap Yogis, a podcast where we talk about the different facets in the world of yoga and spirituality. What inspires us, what is toxic, and what are the areas unexplored? Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Cut the Crap Yogis. Today I have with me Sandra von Sabinski. Uh, there's no need to introduce her. Um, she's well known and I will leave it to her to introduce herself. Um, hi Sandra, nice to have you hi, here. Thank you for having uh, me. Sandra, you wear many hats. You're a yoga teacher, tantric yoga, you have an, uh, a PR agency, you're, uh, you have a podcast and you're a journalist, conduct workshops and you write poems as you told me earlier. So who is Sandra? Yeah, it's um, it's a very interesting question. Can you tell me if you have found the answer? <laughs> uh, no, definitely so... not. Ever since we met, I'm getting surprised and surprised. So. I'm still exploring who this person is. Um, I always found it so difficult uh, to say uh, who I am. And um, isn't it funny that we introduce ourselves with roads we have in our life, but this doesn't really say who we are right yeah true and that's why i ask people what you what do they stand for because i'm really interested and if you would ask me what i stand for is um radical honesty mm -hmm. i'm kind of a tantric ambassador not a teacher very different okay. <laughs> I, what's um, the difference um the difference is if you are a tantric teacher i would consider a more senior person and someone who's really initiated and practice it for several decades and uh, I'm not that kind of person. Mm -hmm. I'm a student who's really enthusiastic and I really love Tantra and I read a lot of books and original texts and do a lot of courses and do practice every single day for the last years and it completely, completely and profoundly changed my life from the inside out. Um, but I'm more like a tourist guide. Or ambassador. I'm that person um, who would, if you go to Paris and if you would do a trip through Paris, then you have a tourist guide who says, This is the Eiffel Tower and this is the Louvre, and look, here's beautiful Montmartre. And I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of person for Tantra. I, I do tell them, Look, this is the world for you, isn't it amazing? And now here you have the goddesses, the Ten Maravillas. Aren't they? mind-blowing <laughs> and here you have the different schools and I can relate with this schools and they have this ideas and I if you ask me personally I would interpret it in this way and so I'm really enthusiastic and I share my enthusiasm but um, to be a teacher I would I don't I don't see myself as mm. that and since we started talking about tantric yoga what is tantric yoga and how because um, when we hear the word Tantra, our minds start drifting towards this sexual practice where you're just laying down and naked and someone is massaging you and then massaging your sexual organs. And then, um, yeah, people somehow associate Tantra with, with uh, like a sexual activity, more or less, regardless of the end, <laughs> it's a happy ending or not. <laughs> But what is the difference then between Tantric Yoga and Tantra? Or what is Tantra anyway, for people who yeah. don't know? Yeah, 
So Neo-Tantra can be a wonderful thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they do have some ideas of Tantra, for example, the word view, um, I, I mean, I think, because I'm not into Neo-Tantra, um, but I think they got the basic worldview and it's also about energy and, and you do um, you do a lot of energy work in, in Tantra. Tantric yoga, um, I wrote this in my Instagram bio, Tantric yoga, because if I just wrote, write Tantra, people would think I would offer Tantra massages and I got so many messages <laughs> I would offer and do, yeah. do yeah. Tantra exactly. massages. That's what everybody thinks. I needed to add the yoga because it's also a yoga, it's a way of practice. And um, this comes to the definition of what Tantra is. So uh, if, you, if you would um, define it in a scientific way, it's a theosophy because theoso it's not a philosophy because it has a God, it has divine in there mm -hmm. and, and a belief in God mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and goddess, um, which flourished in India from the beginning of the 500 after Christ. Mm -hmm. Had reached his uh, high phase in uh, between 800 and 1100, mainly in the valley of Kashmir. Mm -hmm. That's why a certain um, school of Tantra, one of the Sampradayas, the Trika school, is also called Kashmir Shaivism. So when people are saying they do Kashmir Shaivism, it's usually related to the Trika school. And then with um, Muslim conquerors, um, Tantra went to the underground and wasn't that much or maybe it was practiced or mm. still practiced but more in secret mm -hmm. and uh, nowadays some scholars brought uh, back the um, the uh, or, or started to translate um, with the with the flourishment of yoga because yoga is also rooted in Tantra some ideas of yoga is, are, um, yeah. are rooted in, in Tantra or what we learn as yoga here in the West for example the chakras are very tantric they don't exist in before, um, so you won't find a chakra in the Yoga Sutra, for example. And um, or the idea of energy and also some asanas. And the roots of Hatha Yoga are in one of the tantric schools, Kaupchika. I think it's called Kaupchika or Kupchika. I forgot it. <laughs> okay. So there is a relationship with that. And that's why um, also Tantra came probably more popular and I think it's a, a way of I mean you don't need to do all the practices or you I mean you don't have to become a tantrika or um, or need to do one of their rituals or I mean you know there are some some very very weird <laughs> rituals yes, I have read for example for the ten Mahavidyas for um, the ten goddesses of wisdom, there's one goddess, uh, she's very much associated with magic, and there's one ritual you do where you uh, bring back a dead to life, and there are very uh, detailed explanations what to do when the corpse is starting to speak, or when, they, when the corpse is starting to insult you, hey. and how you should pin it down, and one um, of the rituals for also one of the goddesses who is also very associated with magic, there are offerings with the blood of a female buff buffalo yeah so um stuff like that you don't need to do this but what is very appealing maybe also for people in, in modern days is the basic worldview that everything is um the divine mm -hmm. so what does it mean it does mean that um every manifest everything you see and everything which you which you don't see 
um, is divine and it, it just comes in different forms. It comes as air or the poo on the street from a dog <laughs> or you or me and everything um, also what you do and act what, what, what you do what you think and what you speak is divine but in a way in a, in a more contracted or in a more expanded way so this is more like energy manifesting in, in all exactly, these forms exactly very okay. well said so um, the basic idea is Shiva Shakti and Shiva Shakti, um, they are inseparable. They are like in, in many tantras, a tantra is all is a, a book or yeah, a, a collection of sutras or agamas mm -hmm. or shlokas, how <laughs> the verses are called. And um, they have, you read a lot about the picture of uh, fire which can't be divided from heat. And so Shiva can, cannot be divided from Shakti. It's, the divine mm -hmm. and this divine you can imagine as a, I already told you before because this is to be very honest our second attempt because I totally lost it <laughs> our okay. first attempt so, <laughs> and now Sha has to listen again <laughs> because I told him um, that I imagine it as the matrix in the Simpsons mm -hmm. when sometimes uh, especially in the Hollywood episodes of The Simpsons, there is this matrix and Homer goes into the matrix and it's some black and there are yellow energy, glowing energy lines and out of this matrix things are forming, coming into form. And this is like Shiva Shakti. Imagine a matrix and through energy things are um, forming out of it. And then they disappear, not they disappear, they not disappear, they do they come out of it and then they also go back into it. And this this appearing, like this mm -hmm. forming into shape and then... This is the Shakti. This, this is, is the, the Shakti and this is what manifestation means. Yeah, manifestation is Shiva Shakti in form. Okay. So okay. consciousness in form. Mm -hmm. And this means, and this, is, this has some radical ideas which I really love. It means, and this I also told you in the first attempt, it means, for example, that you don't have a divine spark. Hmm. It's not that there is a part of you which is divine, maybe your soul or your spirit. This is not the case mm -hmm. because everything you are with all your layers, with your humanly body, all this mm. is divine. It's, so you're part of the whole divine. Yeah, you no, yeah, yeah, you're part of the um, of the whole, and you are the divine. It's both. Mm -hmm. And that's a very, very beautiful, um, and sometimes also are in the first, um, in the first time, a strange idea because we are not grown up with that, because our bodies that's, are that's really are instruments. You know, they are yeah. not the divine. They are not a temple where the divine is visiting you or lives through you. Yeah. And also in classical um, yoga philosophy, you have um, you have you have the idea of um, the divine spark, but um, tantra goes further everything you are this really life. reminds me of um, sufism in mm -hmm. islam so sufism is the mystical tradition of of islam there's also one of the famous poets his name is al-hallaj this guy he was very radical in his poems and one of his poems like after he said it he was actually like it was ordered by the caliphate back in the days that he would be put in prison and then they, he was executed in public because of one verse of poetry he, he said, which exactly uh, um, 
is about what you're saying. He said, like, I'm the one I love, but he was talking about his love for God. And the one I love is me. If you see me, you see him. And if you see him, you see me. Like how one, like how a human being becomes one with God. Exactly this. And you know what? And this is just my, my feeling that there are certain truths which are just universal truth. And sometimes they come into form as Tantra or Sufism, but they are the truth. They are the, the same, real maybe. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, this line could be also in a, in a Tantric verse. Okay. So this is the Tantra in philosophy and in practice. And um, I asked you earlier about that I read about Red Tantra, White Tantra, and mm -hmm. Black Tantra. What are those actually? And I don't know because these are modern concepts. <laughs> Very okay, okay, interesting. Um, because this is them. what you find online. Like when yeah, I know, when you start googling about tantra and mm. try to read more about it, you um, you always uh, face these three words: red, white, black, and. Um, yeah, like I read also that Tantra massages are more of red Tantra, but I didn't really... It's a modern, um, it's a modern uh, thing, because they don't find it in their real Tantras. There is no such thing like red, white or black Tantra. Mm -hmm. um, there are several schools, Sampradayas, main schools, main sects of um, Tantra, uh, and some are still alive and kicking. <laughs> <laughs> the Shri Vidya and in a way the Trika but not as much as the Shri Vidya I think and um, in this um, schools you have the Upayas the way of practices mm -hmm. um, for example you work with um, the energy of your thoughts but also with the energy of your body you work um, with uh, in rituals um, to convince your mind that you are uh, worshipping the divine. You um, have a way where you go into very deep meditation and also um, non-conceptual meditation. And there is a way which is a non-way because it's, uh, it's grace. <laughs> you got just enlightened by grace. So this is the, the classical view and the red, white, black thing. I'm not sure, but I think it's made up by Yogi Bhajan. Mm -hmm. um, and made up is maybe not a nice word, it's uh, categorized um, and he described I think practices, magical practices because Tantra has magical practices, um, sexual practices because Tantra also, also the original Tantra has pra uh, sexual practices and the white Tantra I have no idea, <laughs> maybe meditation okay. or stuff like that. Do you think that was an attempt to make the Tantra concept more easy for Western public? Or you think, no, it was his own... I don't know. I don't... Um, I'm not so interested in, in, in... I'm very interested in the original thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I read the original text. So sometimes I don't understand them, so I have to ask people. Yeah. <laughs> and I study with teachers who are a very, very... Um, very high-profile translators and uh, teachers who have uh, lineage transmission and um, this is this is what I'm interested in and I don't because I I do have 
I don't have so much time. I mean, I'm not so much drawn into a topic. I just don't mm -hmm. go there. Yeah, and that's why I'm not why I'm not so much into the red, white, black stuff or to explore it because I'm, I was like, no, I, I do want to know the real thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did it evolve? Yeah, yeah, I totally get you. Um, how can one, I mean, from what I heard from you about Tantra, it's really super interesting. Um, how does Tantra or how do you think one could exercise Tantra or like Tantric philosophy or Tantric yoga or integrate it in everyday's life? Um, study. <laughs> it's a very unsexy answer. Okay. Yes. For many people, yes. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It's very German, right? Yeah. More or less, it's yeah. very German and very boring. I'm so I'm so sorry for you. Maybe you thought, oh my god, yes. I have this tantric woman in my podcast and she will tell all the sexual stuff and all this amazing energy stuff. And now so no. she said, Oh yeah, you have to study. <laughs> <laughs> I should have picked someone who's less German. <laughs> no, but yeah, like so how I think it's very how does Tantra exist in your life on a daily basis? In in my personal practice. Yes, yeah. in your personal practice. Um I study <laughs> okay. a lot um, because I'm really interested. I'm, I'm a book nerd and I really read like a maniac. And um, I do have one tantra which I read again and again and again. It's the Pratyavignam Hridayam, the um, Sutras of Recognition. And for example, it's just 17 verses and the author, Kshemalajya, um, he gave us a very, very great gift because he gave the explanation of the verses um, directly with it. So um, every time I read this, I do have another insight. And I think it's a very beautiful thing to study one text or one method for a long, very long period of time. And, you know, sometimes I do have the feeling and I, I'm totally also... I'm the same that we are looking for the next shit, yeah, that we are looking for the next big thing. That we are thinking, oh, we are done with this practice. Oh, what can I have? What can I do next? And I was also the same in the beginnings of my tantric journey. I just told you about this ritual I did way, 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 way too early. And it went terribly wrong. It was one of the sexual ritual rituals. And I was like, yeah, I know the basics of Tantra. I deeply understand it. I have a very, um, I have an, I have a connection. I, I, I cannot explain. It must be maybe it was from a former life. It was very arrogant, you know. <laughs> and I'm like a tantric natural, and of course I can try this natural, this uh, tantric sex uh, rite ritual. And I did, and very scary things happened. I, I just told you some like. Mm -hmm. uh, the loudspeakers went on and made funny noises and there were a uh, lamp going on, um, but it wasn't plugged in into electricity. And also my dogs freaked out and I also freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> and um, after that one uh, teacher told me, yes, Sandra, you did not do uh, protecting mandala before and that's why you invited all entities because entities mm -hmm. are very real. You know, we have this idea of Shiva Shakti and it's manifesting as you and me, but it can also manifest as gods and goddesses and ghosts and demons and stuff like that. Okay. So um, I invited, I made my home basically for in, turned it into a train station with many flashlights. Please come here and visit. Mm -hmm. So this would be their view 
Um, and um, so we are thinking we are done with something and we need to, we are looking for more exciting things and more um, fancier things. And with that experience, I just stepped back and got very basic. And now I think there is a deep beauty when you study a text for years, like really for years. Mm. And do it again and again and again and really deepen your connection to the word, to every single word, to every single practice. And what I do um, in the moment, I don't have like a meditation practice where I sit for half an hour or so. My practice is my daily life. That's why it's so beautiful that mm -hmm. you ask me. For example, the senses are not a bad thing in Tantra, mm -hmm. especially not in a, in a school or the main part where I practice. The senses are the doorways to experience the, the divine. So I work a lot with my senses and um, explore. For example, when you, when you um, put your you have a sweater on on your yeah. underarm so when you put off your sweater and just go very lightly with your finger on your underarm then you feel the touch mm. and then when you stop the touch there's a kind of remembrance of the touch in your skin mm -hmm. and to to be very aware of how this remembering of touch is there and then slowly fades mm -hmm. and then to ask yourself where does it fade where does okay. it fade into this is something which you can do just sitting in, in a bus, for example. Yeah. <laughs> or um, my favorite, really my favorite thing, because I'm, I'm so much in love with the Shakti, with the goddess, with mm -hmm. the manifestation, and also with the forms of um, the goddesses and which form they may arise. Um, You know, in Tantra, every inhale is also a yes to yourself, a yes to you in this special form. Nice. Or not special, in this unique form, because you are not special, but you are unique. Yeah. <laughs> and to sit there and walk and go through your life, and with every inhale, feeling kissed by the goddess, and the air around you is the god goddess holding you, um, surrounding you, infusing you with love. Um, and out of love she came into this form and also holds this form within her and to walk with this feeling has just changed my life mm. yeah. very beautiful um, you also told me that you are an Anusara certified teacher or you practice Anusara inspired and, and yeah. Anusara, can you tell me a little bit more about the Anusara? Anusara um, was the first yoga method uh, who introduced me to Tantra um, mm. because it has tantric ideas in their philosophy and also some from classical yoga. And Anusara was a very um, good way to practice because I like structure. Okay. <laughs> Anusara has very nice ideas about um, how to go into an asana. It is a lot about energy in your body and drawing energy from your feet up to your pelvis, for example. And um, it just, um, and also the way of how classes are taught with, a, with, with your heart, individual heart theme, 
and how you connect it with philosophy and how you transport it into class. Um, you know, I liked it that there are no um, uh, imper imperative, imperatives. Yeah. Um, you don't say, do this, do this, do this. In a normal yoga class, you, you do say that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and in Anusara, you link more. Like, for example, um, as you draw your feet together, um, your pelvis becomes stable and from that base on you lift up. It's very hard to do this in English because I haven't taught asana for such a long time <laughs> in English. I think 2019 was the last time or um, I don't know, I think, but you you, you get it. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. I could say German yeah. words, but um, it might not be so useful here. Yeah, you can try. I mean, a lot of people that listen to us are from Germany. <laughs> yeah, the basic thing or the main thing you could um, also notice, or, um, or uh, which is also important to say about Anusara, is that you link that view. And this was a kind of environment which did not feel so hard in the beginning. And also, I was uh, still I was still very hard in my um, yoga career. Also, when I encountered Anusara, um, the structure um, helped me to dive deeper. And now I must say um, I still love Anusara and I also teach in teacher trainings and Anusara teacher trainings. I teach uh, philosophy, for example, in Barbara Knows teacher training, if I'm allowed to say that. Mm -hmm. And um, but my personal practice is, uh, is very, very much influenced by my tantric practice. Mm -hmm. So also in Tantra, you work with your emotions yeah. and you work with the energy of emotions because you don't let go. Why should you? You, you cut the emotion from the story and then you work with it because it's energy. Why you should lose, want to lose energy so there is no letting go. But what I do is working with the energy of my emotions, of patterns or stuff like that. I work, work it through my body with um, asanas. And also because you, you, are, you become very aware of yourself in Tantra, in your mind, with your psyche, with uh, the things you think, with the thought patterns, with your behavioral patterns, mm -hmm. and you learn to put your awareness in, in different parts of your body. So sometimes I practice with the awareness in my little finger, very different. Yeah. Or I practice with the idea of moving Shakti, um, not in my body, but outside my body. So I move the air. I know it sounds weird, but if you, no, you could yeah. imagine like moving atoms yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that also feels very different. But, but this or, exists also in Qigong and in. Uh, yeah, I don't know Qigong. So, so these Kung are Fu some well. these yeah. are some parts. What happens when you? Because usually our idea or our sense of I lies in our head. Mm -hmm. What happens in your bodily practice if this sense of I is in your heart or in your pelvis or in your belly? Then you move different. Then you experience asana different. When your eye is in your belly, it's different than if it's in your head. Yeah, definitely. And that's so um, that's so interesting. And this is how um, how I personally uh, do asana. And this is also something I I I did some new stuff, which is based on my practice. It's not really asana anymore. It's mm -hmm. not classical yoga. I could also say it's stretching. Or movement. <laughs> That's also with, yoga. With talk. <laughs> That's but also yoga, yeah. But it's very. This is this is my whole, my own practice because I, 
I benefited so much from that. Also, you know, we you have this idea of of um, of emotions in tantra, and then there are also some counterparts. For example, fear, and this makes totally sense. Fear cannot exist when it's light and sunny and warm. It's it's very hard to to um, to keep the feeling of fear when you bring yourself in a state where you feel light and sunny and warm. And this is what I bring into my practice. I have a, a theme and I called it milk and honey because milk is the sustainable part and honey is the sweetness of life. And I do consider myself as someone who wants to bring the sweetness into life. And so what I do is um, I work with the team and I also think which, what can I do to nourish this theme what does it need does it need which color does it need how if i if i concept a new class now i it's not it's also about um, the asanas and if they make sense just bodily wise but i also ask myself what is the color what is the texture you know for the last class and the first class i taught in this style it's called it was called honey child it was soft as cotton mm. soft as cotton and the if there is something like a goal or an intention, it was to have a, a radiant, energetic body, a clear mind and a warm heart. Nice. And this is, you know, I want to, I try to translate energy states and patterns into words and colors and textures and mix it all together. And then there's this. It's really interesting. So people who are interested in this, they should <laughs> check your Instagram. Um, speaking of Instagram mm -hmm. and how you are offering, so uh, during to the current pandemic, you started only teaching online, and it's going well. Um, as also someone, I don't know uh, if you, uh, one of your hats is a yoga teacher or a tantric ambassador. You're also using social media, right? Yeah. Like no, I do, like media. like a lot of people. Uh, Instagram and everything and you told me how things are going very well on Instagram which is really nice how well, they go very well in general on Instagram I lost a lot of followers and last year okay yeah they, they came back I mean there was a growth yeah um, but also in the moment sometimes it's more engagement sometimes not yeah yeah I mean it's a tough time for everyone and people yeah is it a tough time because you know I told you before, because we were, yeah. you know, it's a very sunny, beautiful day here and we were sitting on the balcony and we were not so motivated for us to do the podcast, but now yeah. we're doing it. But now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, I told you before, I told you before um, that I asked myself in every fucking, sorry, can I say that? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> every fucking part of my life. Um, who's me? Okay. And do I write for followers? No. Yeah. I write what moves me. And do I show pictures on Instagram? Yes, because you need to show pictures on Instagram because otherwise you can't post your text. And um, my, it's not so much... You've, there are accounts which are way more beautiful and have way more beautiful pictures and have maybe way more engagement. But... My Instagram is a very personal diary. It's it's a kind of a journal. It's a it's a it's also a place of inspiration for me, and um, the 
the place of a cooler uh, um, a community. Cooler in Sanskrit is, if you translate it very literally, is heterogeneous parts under one umbrella. Mm -hmm. So um, there are many different humans under one <laughs> umbrella. And sometimes it happens that they meet in my Instagram. That's a beautiful thing. And um, so I thought, what is, because I got a lot of, um, you know, the more you get visible, the more criticism um, you get, and you need to define for yourself how you want to work with that. And I define for myself that I would only do stuff I'm 100% um, behind and which is also 100% myself. So you won't read anything fake. You won't read anything which brings me into a better light. You may even <laughs> read things which are not so um, comforting or, or um mm. Or flattering for me but mm. I think it's important to show the whole and not just a part okay and also sometimes I post pictures uh, which are not so flattering in mm. my stories okay in my feed I post mainly pictures which are flattering for me <laughs> but I forced myself to post one picture which I don't like so much because what happens if you don't show the whole of yourself you just show the beautiful one tiny part, part. Not, or maybe not even the beautiful part, but just a tiny bit of yourself, but not the whole being. And for me, I do the best compliment I could get, and I got it sometimes, is like, Sandra, what you see is what you get. So mm -hmm. I won't be any different, yeah. either on Instagram or in real life. And this is very, very important for me. And if you, for me personally, I, I see it like this. And also I do very, very strongly believe in how much love you put into everything you do, it will kind of come back. So I do love Instagram. I really have so beautiful connections. I mean, we went through Instagram. Yes, of course. How amazing it is. Yeah, yeah. I hope we become friends because it's really yeah. nice it is. <laughs> this yeah. day. We had so much to talk. I One of my best friends, um, I met her through Instagram. And it can be a beautiful world or a beautiful tool for connection if you see it as something which connects people and not as something which is threatening you because um, some people are more beautiful or more successful or more worthy. If you see it as a place of connection and um, then you will also find that, I think. Yeah, um, we were talking earlier about, um, so, uh, because you mentioned the word fake, um, and since you're active on Instagram, how much fake things do you, do you see on Instagram? Like this is a question I ask all my uh, yeah. guests on this podcast um, and I get different wide range of answers. Um, it's really interesting for me to know as someone who does a lot of work on Instagram, how much of it you think is fake and how much of it is not is real um, I really like your approach I have to say that you're just posting whatever there is but I see also I mean it's super easy now with the internet you just need a new iPhone and you just like make a nice picture put a nice filter and that's it and then you write some words under it what's what's your take on what's fake and what's real and how how would you tell your followers or people who are listening now to the podcast to find, or how would you give them an advice to find the real and not, or how would Sandra find the real and what's not? The real thing? What yeah. is the real thing, Sha? I don't know. 
It's a very interesting question because um, I have two answers for this. Okay. So there's the the first impulse. This is also very tantric, you know, that you are, that you are first that you are watching yourself thinking, and then going deeper and questioning mm -hmm. yourself: Is this really true? So let us do this. Okay. <laughs> my first question is that um, my my first thing, um, my first impulse was uh, was like, yeah, there are a lot of fake accounts in or, or fake people on Instagram because they face tune them themselves to so you might not recognize them in real mm -hmm. life or um well, the whole time very holy oh yes yeah. yes this this uh, making videos and yeah. speaking in this very low voice Hi. it's i just received this message from my spirit masters yeah yeah and i <laughs> the big orca in the sky and i just wanted to share this beautiful message and then something very random comes like love yourself and wow. I also I also uh, wrote about um, about me being like feeling to puke because uh, if I read one more please be happy holy and shiny <laughs> and I was thinking happy and holy and shiny my ass <laughs> can you please stop it so um, this would be the first answer, mm. and let us let us see what this first answer is. It's very judgy. Okay. <laughs> it's also arrogant. Mm. I have to admit. Okay. <laughs> it's arrogant in a way that I think I'm doing it better or more real than they are. But who am I to judge? Do I know yeah. this person? No, yeah. I don't know this person. Maybe. This person, and this I can't say, yeah, maybe this person was talking in this voice, <laughs> um, perceives herself or wants to perceive herself so badly or himself so badly mm -hmm. that this is part of their reality and their way of expressing. Okay. Who am I to judge that? Yeah, and um. So there is one not so flattering answer for me, the judgment of, oh, please, can you please speak normal? Also in yoga, sometimes I have this in yoga classes when it's in there. So that's not very flattering for me, um, but I, I do judge them first and um, think it's fake. And then I force myself to ask if it's true and if I could see it different. And find a more connected way to um, to see it, and then I can notice that I have uh, an impulse, which is that this behavior repels me first. Mm -hmm. But I can be aware of it and ask myself, why does it repel me? Repels me. It repels me that uh, because I perceive it as fake. I don't. I perceive it as not real, and at the same time, I feel slightly superior <laughs> to that and then I can ask myself again is this true and if I ask me myself this question I have to admit oh it's not true everyone is dealing with their shit and yeah, some do it true. in a holy voice and some use normal language mm -hmm. and everyone is on their journey and so I try not to judge so my advice would be nice follow people who inspire you would say that very nice word yeah I really like the approach people <laughs> who inspire you are usually people who 
um, help you to change the things you want to change. I yeah, think it doesn't. It doesn't have to. Also, cut this out. You know mm. who inspires me sometimes? Francesca Farago. You know her? No. She has been in a, uh, in, a t in a Netflix show, Too Hard to Handle, and she has large boobs, large lips, and uh, large long hair, and she looks like the prototype of an influencer. And you could judge her by the first impulse, but she says some very intelligent things about um, that her most attractive part of her body is her brain, or she's sapiosexual. So even accounts who are not looking in the first sight can inspire you. Yeah. And um, so this is something I did recently in a workshop. I showed pictures of Lizzo, of Francesca, of um, Riccardo Simonetti, and I asked the participants to write down the first um, thought to them. And we are, the first impulse is to categorize. We are humans, we are so sweet, we need, mm -hmm. I, I told you before yeah. in another context, we need contexts, we need, we need tiny, neat boxes where we could put things and people yeah. and situations into it. And to draw these boxes open, to, 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 to open yeah. the cupboards and look into it and ask yourself, is it real? Then every, I mean, literally everyone can inspire you. True, true. Okay, maybe not everyone. <laughs> let's say honest. Cool. Um, these are all the questions from my end. Do you would like you would you like to add anything? No. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for. I'm so being glad we started here. the second time. It was way yes. better. <laughs> also, um, Emma was not so noisy. Emma was no. my dog. Yes. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast it was nice to come and visit you in Hamburg and uh, enjoy the sunny day luckily uh, for everyone who wants to know more about Sandra you could find her on Instagram and uh, yeah give her classes a try and until we meet again please stay safe and see you soon bye bye bye